Welcome to the next best podcast with your hosts, Chris Cashman. 24 years old, a former sheet metal worker, Mr. America, and twice Mr. Universe. And Chris Daniels. Time magazine even named him Person of the Century. Now, from the CNC Podcast Factory, here's the next best podcast. Chris, here we are again. It feels so good to be back home in the CNC Podcast studio after a bit of a hiatus, several weeks. Yes, Peaches and Herb, we're reunited and it feels so good. That's right. <laughs> now, because I believe relationships are built upon honesty, yes. we should be honest with our audience who I'm sure have been on pins and needles wondering, where are they? Where's the latest episode? What's happening with the podcast? The truth is really that we've been contacted by the Seahawks to fill in on the offensive line. So we've been working out with the team uh, for the past couple of weeks. Well, we we have uh, gained more yardage in the last couple of weeks than hey. the Seahawks running backs. As yes. you said, we did sustain a longer drive. Yes. Uh, truth be told, we took off uh, on a road trip. We did follow the Seahawks. Actually, we led the way. We drove all the way to Green Bay, Wisconsin for the game. And then back. So we uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> we were we were gone. We were uh, the new Lewis and Clark, uh, or Frank Clark maybe. But uh, we are back. And the entire time we've been gone, we have been a bit distracted because over the past week and a half or so, uh, the Seattle Arena effort has taken some very dramatic twists. And I even had to ask you, hey, isn't this Oakview group, they've got Bruckheimer involved, right? Are we sure we, he's not behind all of these dramatic <laughs> twists? Because... This has gone from uh, kind of a, a simmer to a full boil over the last week and a half. And Where do we even start, Chris, to make sense of what's happening? Because obviously you know so much more about this than, than most people. And, and in terms of reporting, you're always first. You always dig deeper than everybody. And in the road trip, selfishly, I kept asking you yeah. as you're back <laughs> writing articles, uh, tweeting, updating everybody what's happening. I kept, Chris, what's happening now? Where do we even start? Well, I think you got to start with some dramatic music. Okay, and go. Uh, well, I, I think you and I were, were on the road, and uh, I, I got a tip that Chris Hansen has a, a new idea right. to solve the Seattle Arena discussion. Finally, once and for all, he's pitching a $100 million renovation of Key Arena. And you say, wait, right. that sounds a little different. Uh, yeah, this is something that just came up. Uh, that he believes it can be subdivided into a 6,000-seat concert venue and a smaller amphitheater and smaller 500-seat uh, uh, venue as well, uh, and, and says, hey, you wouldn't have the transportation issues like right. you would with another renovation. That got a lot of shoulder shrugs from uh, this, the city who thought, boy, this, this came in awfully late. Their it response feels like a was Hail essentially, Mary. Yeah. hey, you should have done this sooner, and no right. thank you, which... Got a lot of shoulder shrugs online from fans like me who were saying, well, w wait a minute, let's not play timeline here. Let, let's not forget Chris Hansen's been here for years now. So let's right. not let's not pretend he's Johnny come lately. He's been here. He's already bought land. He's been doing this for quite a while before anybody else <laughs> seemed to be interested in this whole thing. So for him to step forward and say, all right, here's a deal. We'll take care of Key and we'll do my Soto Arena. At face value, that was his proposal, but you're right, it basically immediately got brushed off. It seemed like within hours the city was like, nah, too late. It was within hours. The Office of Economic Development issued a press release saying it's another example of how Chris Hansen doesn't want to work with the city, uh, and they're moving forward with the Oakview Group proposal 
and, and with the work that they've done. I mean, it was it was surprising in the immediacy. It just took a few hours for somebody from City Hall, from the city of Seattle to come out and say, nope, not interested. And why do you suppose that is? Because I know fans feel as though there's something sneaky going on because it really does feel that way when you have – you know, at least put on a brave face and pretend to be considering the proposal instead of immediately kind of, you know, brushing it aside. And as you said, they, they've kind of drawn this line in the sand with Chris Hansen as though he's this villain. It's kind of this strange dynamic that seems to be increasing it, from week to week. It's going to be a great movie at some point yeah. in time. No, I, he, his proposal in writing was to privately finance the arena in Soto and privately right. finance this uh, $100 million renovation. I, I know that people at the city said, hey, we haven't even uh, talked to him about this. This was just basically came out in a letter and a press release, and, and that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. At the same time, they were getting prepared to roll out the Oakview Group proposal uh, the following week. Do you suppose that's really what's behind it, is that they were already – looking down the road saying, hey, great, we'll do this open house next week. We'll show them what we got. We're going to, uh, you know, all celebrate this new deal. And then Hanson coming in almost threw a wrench into their spokes. Yeah, I mean, the, the timeline was September 12th. Uh, the city was hoping to announce the deal right. with Oakview Group. Uh, a, a big announcement outside Key Arena. You know, a lot of back slapping and balloons being let off and the birds singing. I mean, it was uh, uh, planned to be a big announcement. And as you know, uh, I was working on that as well uh, in the in the back of the RV. Yeah, while we were, were across the yeah. country. I think we were in uh, maybe North Dakota, somewhere yeah. like that, when you were uh, officially, you know, writing what this was going to mean, what the Oakview deal represented, how it broke down financially. And, and that was the story for... At least yeah. half a day. Yeah. <laughs> you could say that. Uh, some things happened along the way. I was talking to somebody here internally who said they were getting ready on Tuesday morning that the key arena was going to be the big story of the day. And, and there was a little detour. But, yeah, the, the story, as far as the arena is concerned, uh, the Oakview Group proposal is bigger than their initial pitch. Right. Uh, $660 million-plus package. And when I say that number, I'm talking about a $600 million arena proposal uh, and another $40 million for transportation, another $20 million for a community fund, including half of that for youth care to, to address youth homelessness. So uh, a big package, and that's not even taking into account arts and uh, affordable housing. I mean, they, they've right. put a package forward that they say is privately financed, uh, that there will be no risk to the taxpayers. You're hearing the same thing from the city budget office, uh, that they believe there's no uh, money being put out or, or taxpayers put at risk with this. So when you look at it uh, at face value, you say, wow, the city got everything they wanted out of this. Uh, the ability to save a city asset, uh, all private money, right. and, and somebody who says they're committed to getting the NBA and the NHL here, and also that they they put in writing in this memorandum of understanding, this tentative deal, that they will spend at least $168 million in upkeep as well in order to extend their lease. So you look at it at face value, you go, wow. I mean, this is a monster package that has been put forth to the city of Seattle that solves their problems after all of these years. Although technically they keep uh, championing the you know concerts and the NHL, not so much the NBA. That's always kind of swept aside and Matt mentioned casually, and then they quickly move on, and I think fans seem to notice that and go, wait, 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 wait a minute. 
So are we going to blank and it's going to be 10 years down the road and there's no basketball team, but we've got Key Arena and it's great for concerts, maybe a hockey team? Um, I think there's a lot of excitement about hockey. I mean, when they've laid out their timeline, they believe that all of this can be done by September of 2020, which would tee up a a National Hockey League franchise being the anchor tenant out of the gate. Uh, But uh, as we were alluding to, this was all supposed to be announced at a formal press conference as you and I were we're driving, I think, through North Dakota, Western well, we North were Dakota, a couple of hours, Eastern ahead. Montana, yeah, so somewhere. So you were up early, six yep. a.m. Uh, Seattle time. You know, you were able to to break the news, put out the official. Uh, your phone started going crazy. Yep. There we were driving through uh, North Dakota, I believe, and you were doing uh, radio interviews both in Seattle and Canada. Tons of interest. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of people wanted to know what this meant. But as the day unfolded, uh, the storyline completely changed, and uh, there was there was more dramatic music. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I always keep the CD handy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I was talking uh, with our folks on the ground, and, and they were saying they've never seen anything like it. A press conference scheduled for 11 a.m. Uh, with Tim Laiwiki and Ed Murray to announce this mega deal at Seattle Center, solving all the problems for Seattle Center. And it was abruptly canceled with no explanation, but I think everybody understood uh, why it was canceled quickly. Well, and the timing was so intriguing, and this is why I asked if Bruckheimer was involved, yeah. <laughs> because you can't write a script more dramatic than a press conference that is set for uh, you know a specific time, and then within, what, a, an actual minute of that news comes out from the Seattle Times. Yeah, that uh, Ed Murray had been accused again of allegations dating back uh, 35, 40 years ago by a family member. Uh, And then within two and a half hours after that press conference that was supposed to uh, be a a kind of self-congratulatory press conference, he resigns. Uh, And and that sends the city into a, a tailspin of sorts. And you know, three mayors in a week, and, and uh, there will be a fourth mayor within two and a half months. Right. So all this kind of political turmoil as this major major project that's getting national attention sure. uh, continues to move forward. So it's it's raised uh, a lot of questions about what that means for Key Arena, what it means yeah. for Soto. And meanwhile, that was essentially a dog and pony show for this agreement that had already been reached, this was really just to roll it out, right? And to put right. up the pictures and right. say, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. You know, with one step removed from that shovel in the ground type of situation. But now I know a lot of questions are raised about what happens because that deal was with the mayor who is no longer the mayor. Right. We've already had two since then. And uh, it, it's it's taken this bizarre twist. And I think a lot of fans, me included, want to know what happens next. Does this is that deal null and void, or does that just get grandfathered in because a mayor signed off? And well, it's not on? null and void. I can tell you that it's it's been handed off to the Seattle City Council, which is now kind of the last step uh, in, in approving this memorandum of understanding. I've kind of labeled it as a tentative deal until right. the MOU has been signed off on. There's been a first review of it, and uh, one of the things that came out of this first public review is there actually may be some public bonding that's needed hmm. of the transportation fund, that the way the language has been laid out, Oakview would have to pay only a million dollars a year towards transportation over 39 years, not $40 million up front, and everybody acknowledges there's going to be transportation changes that are going to be need to be made down in that area. So Ben Noble, who is the city's budget director, said in a public forum, uh, yes, there, there could be the need for the city to bond that $40 million amount, which is $20 million in, in current terms. Uh, and so that's going to be a question for the council. That's, that's public financing. 
Uh, and uh, through this whole process, it's been about trying to avoid public financing. And, and this is just kind of the first uh, dipping of the toes into this deal in a public yeah. uh, forum. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to start examining the, the, the finances and what parking revenues mean and, and tax right. breaks and uh, if there is an impact to the taxpayer. It's easy to hear that, you know, 600 million, you know, big numbers like that and go, wow, they've got it all figured right. out. But you're right in that we need to dig deeper into what those costs mean. What was it, 40 million towards transportation? What, right. what are we talking about here? I mean, are we going to blimps? I mean, how, how do we exactly fix transportation in Seattle? You know, when they, this is the same group that was suggesting early on in the process that, hey, maybe people want to park and walk to games. Right. I mean, that was that was actually being thrown out there right. as we get it. You might actually have to just walk. Uh, so, I mean, I I do wonder some of the finer details. And I also want to back up because I know that as this came down, um, once again, there's kind of a weird stance coming from, and maybe this is just because Chris Hansen, for the most part, is, is silent. He, he's mm-hmm. been pretty good about just biting his lip, letting his paperwork and, and his money and his ideas do the talking. Whether or not that works in the end, we'll see. But uh, he doesn't comment a lot, and he certainly doesn't throw jabs the way it seems like the other side does, Oakview. And, and I know Lywicki basically came out early on and said, you know, his latest proposal was too late. And, you know, what did he say? Quit, stop chasing ghosts. Stop chasing yeah. ghosts and things like that, which, again, I, I almost took offense to because, again, Hansen's been here for quite a while. He's been in this for a while. So to, to act as though he's coming in a day late and a dollar short seems a bit silly because he's kind of done everything the way he should. Whether or not his proposal makes the most sense, whether or not that's what they choose is another thing. But to act as though he's, you know, some... some uh, some nut out there just making noise it seems a little bizarre. I, I will say that in a way there's history repeating itself. Uh, a lot of the same questions that have been raised with this key arena proposal were also raised with Soto. Uh, the opponents to the Soto group back uh, in 2011, 2012, 2013 were saying, why move so fast on this? And, and Hansen's group said, you know, they were very political about it, said they want to be ready for any potential opportunity. Right. But I think a lot of people, including myself, knew it was all about the Sacramento Kings and the possibility that the NBA could be right around the that corner. That was the fast track. And yeah. that was the reason why it needed to be fast-tracked. Sure. But what you see now is with Oakview uh, going through this process, they want to get it done as fast as possible because I think everybody believes they have an NHL owner in their back pocket and the ability to buy that franchise and, and fill Key Arena – uh, in the first public review of this project, you saw mostly hockey fans, people wearing hockey jerseys. They know that this right. this could be the solution for getting a hockey franchise here. Uh, again, Oakview believes they can have this done by 2020. We heard some of those same, you know, some people say there's no way they can get that done. Uh, but we heard the same the same issues raised with Soto. You, know, you can't get this done right. in two years with the environmental review and all that. So, uh, there will be a couple more public meetings, uh, October and November. Uh, the dynamics of the council will change, uh, but th- they're still on target to potentially vote on this in December when there will be a, uh, a, a new mayor and uh, a new council. And I know there's a lot of people listening who are listening simply because they want to know what's happening with right. the Sonics and their return or lack thereof, and they don't pay attention to politics. I get it. I was that guy for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, they don't have to be paying much attention to understand the mayor's gone. Right. There was an interim. He was there for about three days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right? Uh, Bruce Harrell. And, and then uh, just this week, Tim Burgess was technically uh, you know, sworn in to take over yep. until things change. Yet another 
potential dramatic twist or not, but certainly worth mentioning, these are two guys who were Soto supporters. Yeah. Soto supporters. So, and, and, and I, I will say about Tim Burgess, he's a very smart uh, budget guy, a money guy. I mean, he he was the budget chair uh, for the Seattle City Council. Uh, he moves into the mayor's office and uh, will be primarily handling the budget from the mayor's side of things now. Okay. Uh, Bruce Harrell goes back to the council. Uh, Bruce Harrell has been a champion of the Soto project. So we'll see what those, uh, how those dynamics play out. I think the, the interesting thing to watch is, is uh, Tim Burgess's seat now has to be filled, and right. there's been talk about two former council members, John Okamoto, who also uh, has a background with the Port of Seattle, uh, and filled in temporarily for Sally Clark, and Nick Licata, who was a former council member who uh, really was the forefront of uh, stopping public subsidies for stadiums. And if one of those guys, and, and by the time you listen to this podcast, they, they may already be uh, sworn in. Yeah. Uh, if one of those guys uh, is is the the temporary council member until the end of November, they're going to have a say in this and, and potentially could wave some flags one way or the other. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic. Uh, this is th- why it's perfect to talk about this with you, because I should point out, we don't have notes in front of us. You just know all of those names, the city councils, former city councils. It's like you've got your own fantasy team out there. And it's you, all right in my head. You know all of these players involved. Uh, and then, uh, you know, within a couple of hours of us recording this, yet another curious twist, not directly related, but certainly the bigger picture. I, I think it's it's really fascinating because a lot of people talk about the, the finances of Key Arena, the finances of Soto. How do you make it work? How do you buy a team and build an arena? How do you, you know, is it an NHL team, NBA team? Will they work in Key Arena? Everybody's generous with everybody else's money. Yeah, right? everybody's Just talking about that. Yeah, everybody's talking about the money. And, and what's interesting is there's been all this talk like the NBA is not going to be here for a decade. Right. Uh, and, and that's why you need to do Key Arena now and why you shouldn't do Chris Hansen down in Soto because he wants to be an NBA owner and the NBA is not coming. Well, ESPN, uh, Brian Windhorst and Zach Lowe, two uh, well-respected national NBA writers, yeah. uh, released a, a, a lengthy article. It's a good read. Uh, I would recommend it if you go to ESPN.com. But the, the bottom line is they, they were able to get confidential reports from the NBA teams uh, about their revenue. And according to ESPN, according to those two writers, despite the big new national television deal, 14 right. of the NBA's 30 teams lost money last year. And they're going to talk about this at the Board of Governors meeting in September, uh, the wow. 27th and 28th. The Atlanta Hawks, Brooklyn Nets, Cleveland Cavaliers, yes, LeBron's team, Detroit Pistons, Memphis Grizzlies, Milwaukee Bucks, Orlando Magic, San Antonio Spurs, and Washington Wizards all lost money last year. The Lakers were on the flip side. They made $115 million with their crummy team down wow. in L.A., and uh, that's even after writing a revenue-sharing check of $49 million. So after boosting the, their payroll, the Grizzlies lost nearly $40 million last season and a league-low $9.4 million in local media rights. Uh, so they had to offset that by revenue-sharing. Uh, so the bottom line is a lot of these teams are losing money. So you, when you say, well, how do you fix that if you're the NBA, uh, both Windhorse and Lowe get into this, uh, they say, hey, you know, the, the franchise value is the reason why they're being driven and, like, the Rockets just sold for over $2 billion is right. because they made a lot of money in Houston, $53 million in net income last year. Uh, and, and apparently uh, they are talking expansion as a potential solution. Uh-oh, um, hit it. Hit the stinger. 
Ooh. Okay, dramatic yeah, twist. Yeah, more dramatic twist. I mean, a lot of this also has to do with the obscene salaries right. in basketball. That's a secondary issue. But, I mean, the bigger picture here is nearly 50% of the league lost money. Right. And you can't help but wonder if or how that will influence this whole process here in Seattle as they're looking for a team. But as you said, now they're thinking of expansion. they got to look for other money to be made. And, and this is straight from Windhorst's and Lowe's report right. on ESPN. They asked the question, is expansion or relocation inevitable? And, and quoting their story, at least one owner raised the idea of expansion in a recent Board of Governors session, citing the massive expansion fee the 30 current teams would split. The concept of an expansion fee of potentially more than $1 billion can be tempting because it is not subject to splitting 50-50 with players. The story continues. Meanwhile, some profitable teams have bristled at the notion they should share more and even suggested that teams that lose money every season and depend on revenue sharing to stay afloat should consider relocating to stronger market sources, say. Hmm. Their story continues. The concept of changing the placement of teams could become more of a focal point as Seattle nears its decision on a plan to renovate Key Arena or clear the way for a new building to be constructed in the city's Soto district, a district, a decision could come by the end of the year. If a viable building emerges in Seattle, it could kickstart a deeper expansion relocation debate within ownership. Uh, and, and the story, uh, just one last uh, paragraph from Windhorse and Lowe, local movement aside, will relocating teams from small markets to larger markets like Seattle clear up some of the NBA's revenue sharing issues? Will expansion be part of the solution for now? Both ideas appear to be only hypothetical. But it sounds like based on the amount of money that's being lost right now by these owners, they're at least discussing it at the league office and potentially Seattle factors into all of this. And it goes back to that old saying, you know, if, if it don't make dollars, it don't make sense. I think that was Albert Einstein <laughs> who said that. Uh, so an interesting financial twist in yes. this that, that could work towards uh, Seattle's advantage here as uh, they continue to duke it out across town between Soto and Seattle. So, Chris, uh, what happens next? What is that? That's usually where we end these podcasts, is, is what is the next thing on the timeline? Well, Chris Hansen has staffed up in his PR department. He hired uh, the Mayor McGinn's former press secretary. Uh, I, I think they are not done, and a question of, uh, it's a question of what are they going to bring to the table and what does that look like. Uh, but as far as Arena, I mean, it, it looks like, a, uh, a a there's no stopping it. It's the train that's going down the tracks Despite at 100 mi- 100 miles an hour. And based on what you saw in council chambers, based on what you're hearing from council members, uh, based on the idea that Seattle Center needs uh, to get fixed up in some capacity, I think th- there's no stopping it at this point unless uh, the the Hanson Group pulls out their ace that's sitting in the deck that they haven't played yet. Has there ever been a more compelling time to be on the Seattle City Council, uh, both good and bad? It's, it's become a reality television show. Yes. Who wants to be mayor? I mean, right. they, they, they could do that on the Seattle channel. <laughs> right. All right, Chris, good stuff. We're back in the saddle. Make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends the next best podcast is in the air. On Twitter and Instagram at Next Best Pod. This is the exclusive ending of the Next Best Podcast.